Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, we are going to piggyback off of the fun that we had doing the recap of the Tiger Woods 2009 to 2018 that we did on the Trap Draw podcast last week. That seemed to go over pretty well. Um, so we're going to do a bit of an oral history of the Ryder Cup from 1999 through today. Uh, I have spent the better part of three days researching. I have 39 pages of Google Doc notes ready to roll. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> <I>, uh, <laughs> a lot of quotes, a lot of crazy stuff has happened the last 20 years that pretty much proves that the Ryder Cup is the only golf event. Uh, first, I want to kind of go gauge the temperature of the room as to where you guys give people your background on where your Ryder Cup fandom ranks. I'm about a 9.8 out of 10, I would say. I'm, I like the Ryder Cup. You know, first of first of all, I'm team. I, I'm team. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate it. Yeah, I want it to exist. I mean, people like the Ryder Cup more than me. Uh, I'm on Team Europe as well. As, Turncoat as Tron. Tron. Yeah. When did uh, you make that switch, Tron? This will be my third Ryder Cup rooting for the Europeans. I just think they've got more interesting guys on their roster, and I like them better. Um, Where's your Ryder Cup knowledge? Knowledge is probably a six. Okay. Uh, I like the Ryder Cup. I just. I think it's just one weekend, though. Like People talk about it all year. I'm not going to name any names, but <laughs> people talk about it all year. Even even on off years, they talk about the Ryder Cup. It should be played every year. That's my point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think it, it's one weekend, but let's not, let's not lose perspective here. Sure. Randy. Listen, nobody's a bigger Ryder Cup fan <laughs> than me. Um, no, gosh, if you're a 9.8, I'm probably... Like, in all honesty, I don't know. I got 4.8, but that's not to say I don't like it. Like, I really enjoy watching it. Um, my history of the event is probably not great, admittedly. Um, I'm kind of... I kind of just tune in weekend of, have a good time, and then uh, and then more or less check out. But Have you ever skipped a Ryder Cup? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of one specific. You know, it's just kind of like when, when they're great, they're great. And when they're not, it's like, eh, okay. I don't feel like I missed anything uh, too important. But I Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like I'm in that same boat probably. The, four, the sub fives, you know, 4.5 to, to 4.9, I'm probably right around that. That ranking as well. Um, adjust mine downward to like a three. <laughs> I, I'm I'm much more of a uh, a contemporary Ryder Cup scholar, I'd say. Uh, modern modern Ryder Cup history. I think I I uh, probably have a better handle on. I've I've gotten pretty deep in the last two or three, but before that, I'm I'm going to learn a ton about you know 99 to probably 2010 is a big ass blind spot for me right now. 39 pages of notes, by the way, is I'm a little, I'm a little terrified. Uh, I'm hoping that Dan Carlin will release this on his, uh, <laughs> on his podcast feed. Maybe I'm, I'm worried if you, you guys are either going to be the best audience for this or the worst audience for it. <laughs> I think maybe the best because well, I'm just thinking like I think 1999 is really the first Ryder Cup that sticks out in my memory, and that's why I chose that one. I mean, 97. I don't. I, I mean, where was 97? 97 was Valderrama. And uh, that was Tiger's first one. Um, and then, so kind of setting the scene into 99. And this is going to be more from a U.S. perspective overall. But, I mean, that's just to be expected. From Sorry, Tron. Yeah. Um, Real quick, DJ, I'm surprised you're even participating in this, given your affinity for the President's Cup. <laughs> yeah. DJ works that's with DJ for... A headshot out of nowhere <laughs> for well, five years or so, and he got you know every time I see him, he's wearing President's Cup. I gear actually, and I actually put a pretty good good amount in. Uh, if you're in the Jacksonville area, I would hit the Goodwills uh, 
in these next couple days here. They're about to get flush with, <laughs> with President Cup shirts. It's funny you mentioned that today. I'm actually more of a Eurasia Cup guy myself. <laughs> also, so. Speaking of my soul. The yeah. Pangea, Pangea Cup. Yeah. Um, so it, the, give you some background on this process. I went through and researched them all from 99 all the way to, to 2016. I, I actually got on the phone with Alan Shipnick yesterday. He walked me through just kind of his old memories. Anything that sticks out from him that I might forget I was, I'm terrified basically in general of some major blind spots and no matter what, there's going to be some things we're going to miss, but we're going to cover a ton of them. Um, obviously. So going to, so 99 is at Brookline. It was Ben Crenshaw. The, the country James, club, the country club at Brookline, uh, coming off 95, which was deemed choke Hill where in the U S <laughs> lost it. Oh, kill. Uh, who 90s? was the, who was the big, just the U S choked in general. Or was I, there a single a singular choker? I think I think in in going through this, the U.S. always seems to be the favorite. But yeah. I'm looking at these rosters and I'm like, how is this even remotely possible? But '97 uh, was Tiger's first one, and who was the captain? Sevy um, for the U.S. Uh, Tom Kite. And then who was the captain '95? Um, I don't I don't know. For choke, we started '99. Come on, yeah. we're getting grilled here. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get some context and. <laughs> We're going into 99 here. Tiger putted into the water in 97 at Valderrama. Um, which uh, was Rubber Trencher and Senior, of course. <laughs> For that reason alone, I thought about adding 97 into here, but, uh, but it did not. It was Lanny Watkins was the captain in 95. Okay. So in 99, this one is, again, the reason why we're starting this one is it is lit. <laughs> the whole process starts out with the pay-for-play talk. So oh, in of course. summer of 99... David Duval says, it seems like a pretty large corporate outing. It's hard to argue that. <laughs> <laughs> their, 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 their wording is very, it's, it's not wrong, but it, it does come off as extremely bitter. Tiger says, it's an exhibition. It always has been. It's not meant to be played as a war. Again, true. It's not greed. It's the fact that we want to help out. We want to donate money to our charities in our local areas. There's so much money being generated at the Ryder Cup. It's become a corporate event. So this was before the charity aspect was introduced. So this was because of this. So they're literally showing up. There's no money. No Changing hands. Nothing. They get some free shirts. They. they, I think the Ryder Cup makes like sixty-three million dollars. They make all all the money. And uh, it turns a profit of like sixteen million, and players get zero of it. So. Ben Crenshaw was pissed about it. He said it made him sick, all this talk of pay-for-play. And it ended with each player getting $200,000 to donate to charity. So well, PJ of America got backed down. Yeah, they got backed. I mean, they the still held down. on to $60 million and <laughs> gave away they, a couple uh, million. So the they timing, should just give them scholarships like the NCAA does, and then everything's good. <laughs> The Give timing the of this? For, yeah, you got to think about what what these players can be doing after the Ryder Cup. You know, they're really being empowered. True. To uh, to go on to really long careers in their chosen yeah. field. Yeah. Um, we are recording this on Wednesday, and on Golf Channel tonight is going to be the singles, uh, like golf's greatest rounds, the singles play. We probably should have waited until after that to record it. So if there's something I missed from the singles play, obviously, I think it's good we did it this way. It's yeah, not going to ruin any of the surprises. This is right. true. So everyone remembers the comeback. But do you remember this before they even start the event? Jeff Maggard says, let's face it, we've got the 12 best players in the world. And if they just go out and play golf and hit shots, it's hard to mess up putting two guys together. Do you have, do you have the rosters here Yeah, that we can run through? Yeah, yeah let's go through the rosters Payne first. Stewart also claimed by the strength of the European team, they should be caddying for the U.S., not playing against them. <laughs> Sick. The let, let, let me remind you that the European team had won the previous two Ryder Cups. So for Team Europe, captained by Mark James, Colin Montgomery, Lee Westwood, Darren Clark, Paul Laurie, Miguel Anel Emeneth, Jose Maria Lothabal, Sergio Garcia, Yarmo Sandelin, Jean Vandeveld, Padraig Harrington, Andrew Coulthart, and Jesper Parnovic. So this was 99. This God, was Carnoustie. That's Carnusti. a hard team to root against. It's a this, stout lineup. Trap, trap draw. Trap draw. Uh, guest Jean Vandeveld by the way you gotta remember he had no soul at this point also he'd just been his, his soul had been removed at, at Carnoustie <laughs> yeah. so he's really just kind of kind he of a, shell. a zombie state <laughs> yeah so, so this is the last Ryder Cup played before the Pro V1 enters the world and like we were watching the, some last night and guys are hitting like four woods into par fours and stuff like that it's a completely different game 
Um, and we remember the crowd being ve- like pretty tough that week, which is a common theme for the three Ryder Cups that we'll see that we'll go through here. That's all I remember. One. This is this is pre nine eleven. This is pre nine eleven. This is all Tron's boys in Boston too. Yes. Uh, the bad atmosphere continued into the week when the American fans heckling and abusing the European players. Colin Montgomery's father left the course due to the amount of abuse that his son was receiving. That's disgusting. That and a fan spat at Mark James's wife. <laughs> I would say that's a, that's a little uncalled for. So Probably. Montgomery in particular. I'm all for some good for some good <laughs> jib jab, but it gets pretty spitting bad. at someone's wife is probably a little too far. Um, and eventually, Montgomery came into so, got so much abuse that fans heckled him. Stewart would get the marshals to eject him. Stewart eventually picked up his ball in the 18th fairway and conceded his match out of courtesy to Montgomery. So there were also allegations of cheating that were leveled at a course marshal who allegedly concealed Andrew Coulthard's <laughs> lost ball <laughs> until until the five minutes had elapsed and he had been given a one-stroke penalty. A marshal <laughs> had told him his ball went in the woods and it was in the rough. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. Coldheart had no chance to get with, but that's just absolutely hilarious. So Europe had six rookies. They were also sounds s- like some Deflategate stuff going yeah. on up there. And they were saddled Foxborough. with Yarmo, Sandalin, Jean Vandeveld, and Andrew Coltart. So none of them, none of those three played in the team session, and those three all lost their single session. And Duval was the U.S.'s only rookie. We didn't go through the U.S. team here. It was Ben Crenshaw, captain. Tiger Woods, David Duval, Payne Stewart, Davis Love, Marco Mira, Hal Sutton, Justin Leonard, Jim Furyk, Phil Mickelson, Jeff Maggart, Tom Lehman, and Steve Pate as the two captain's picks. Steve Pate, man. He just – I can't even place his career. Yeah. What like what did he win? What did he – No idea. What did he accomplish? He partnered know? with Tiger on Saturday. So Tiger – he was born in 1953, Steve Pate was. Okay. Tiger's going to play on this Ryder Cup team with at least two guys that were born in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Duval and Woods were number one and two in the world. They ended up getting paired in four ball on that Friday. They lost. And U.S. was down 6-2 after day one. Both Tiger and Duval went 0-2 on day one. Who did they lose to? Um, let's see. So Duval, they were in the afternoon four ball. They lost to Clark and Westwood. And this yeah. is probably what fueled, a, like, got all the pay-for-play stuff even more riled up. I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh, these guys don't care. They're going through the motions. They wanted to get paid to play, and they came just trashing the European team <laughs> fresh off after losing the previous two Ryder Cups. Um, so then, yeah, there's, in the most dramatic, they go in Saturday, Tiger pairs up with Steve Pate. They win. They beat Sergio and Jesper in the morning session. Uh, and then the afternoon session, there was a – Jesper Parnovic holes a pitch shot from like 60 yards, runs all over the place. Sergio is his partner. Sergio runs up down the fairway and towards the crowd, fist pumping, away from Jesper, who actually holds the shot. Sergio <laughs> didn't even do anything. He just starts running up the fairway, just like pumping up the crowd. They ended up having that match when Sergio hold, birdied, put, made a birdie on the last to take a 10-6 to lead going into Sunday. Sergio was kind of peak El Nino at this time, too, right? This was 19-year-old yeah. Sergio. Yeah. This is right coming off Medina. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This was, yeah, just a couple weeks earlier. It was an El Nino year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no team had ever come back from, a, from more than two points down on the final day to win the Ryder Cup, and they, they needed eight and a half of the 12 points. So in comes Sunday night or Saturday night. Ben Crenshaw says his famous, I've got a good feeling about this. What we didn't hear is George W. Bush tried to encourage Crenshaw and express confidence that the U.S. team would rebound. He also spoke to the team on Saturday night. Again, this is, he's not president yet. Spoke to the team on Saturday night, reading them a quote from an Alamo veteran who fought against overwhelming odds. <laughs> Although it was a strange choice, the United States lost the battle at the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> so the three rookies that don't play, which are Sandlin, Coltart, and Jean Vandeveld, go up against Phil Tiger and Davis Love the third. In the singles play, it's a tough that's, start. That's actually got to be. If you're the Europeans, that's like a good. That's a kind of yeah. sacrificial lamb. Well, so that immediately makes it ten to nine. I mean, those three were never. They were going to win those matches ten times out of ten. Phil gets matched up against Yarmo Sandlin. Yarmo is playing a 52-inch driver. Sick. Which the standard <laughs> length of drivers were like 40, 45. 45 inches. Except for, I mean, I think, Randy, you play a 52, right? I wish I did. You play the Yarmo driver? I, no, I need to inquire about it. The big Yarmo? But get this. Phil and Yarmo previously had a history with each other stemming from the 96 Alfred Dunhill Cup. 
Playing at the old course, Sandlin nearly came to blows with Mickelson during their match. This is from Alan Chipnuck. Sandlin was celebrating his frequent birdies by pretending that his putter was a rifle. (laughs) (laughs) He claims he was only shooting at the hole in a sort of obnoxious celebration while Mickelson felt the imaginary bullets were aimed at him. (laughs) God, that's good. I wasn't going to let it go without saying something, Mickelson said. Walking off the 13th green, our noses touched, and we had words. Sandlin confirms the incident. I told him to fuck off. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him since, and I have no desire to. Oh, so that was, that was pre-hat Phil then, right? If their noses touched. Might have been. Uh, might have been no hat, yeah. That's uh, a great observation. Sandlin also had problems with Marco Mira at the 97 Lancome Trophy, where he accused the American he dubbed market nearer of moving his ball closer to the hole. Mark, I don't think anybody's it? ever had a problem with little Marco with little Marco Mira. <laughs> um, before the event, Sandlin said, I feel, I feel sorry for Mickelson and O'Meara. Think about it. <laughs> think about the pressure on them. They really have to kick my ass. If they lose at home, my God, imagine the shame for God. me to lose is expected. It's no big deal because no one is rooting for me. This guy sounds like an absolute menace. Oh, he was the best. You've seen that picture Sky of him? now, right? Of his like old know. sunglasses. That, like, oh, that's him. That's him. Yeah, he, that like came the alien over his sunglasses. Eye. Yeah. This is this is Yarmo. Yarmo. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was thinking Coltart. Um, so Sandlin drew the ire of the American fans who were well aware of the incident. Which Did led he to bring his, his gun? <laughs> which just led to a strange exchange on the second hole. Sandlin missed a short putt for birdie, which the crowd cheered prompting Sandlin to raise his hands in mock acknowledgement of the crowd <laughs> cheering. The original, uh, the original Patrick, Patrick Reed. Reed. So the U.S. won the first seven matches and all of a sudden led it 13 to 10. So Duvall won and with his shirt untucked, ran around and did about 42 arm <laughs> fist pumps. I remember that. Duvall had low-key has like the worst fist pumps in, yes. in golf history. The 59 yeah. fist pump is one of my favorites. I'm a big fan of recreate that one with uh, my, me- my buddy he, big play ray yeah the mega hater blockers on. yeah tom layman drains a long putt and starts sprinting around i think the 17th green tiger chips in goes absolutely ham with a, a true tiger fist pump was tom layman ever less than like 45 years old no ever he was born 45 <laughs> years old i don't picture him like running anywhere that that doesn't Payne stewart drained a long putt and walked after it fist pumping and yelling and this was i mean this was three weeks before he died i think when did he die yeah. late october I think that's so. kind of crazy. Um, just it all is going to come down to Justin Leonard, and Leonard was four down with seven to play, and was completely despondent. So was that the last match in the course? Uh, no, P- Payne Stewart and Colin Montgomery are still behind them. Okay, um, but basically, if if Leonard is able to secure at least a half in this match, then the U.S. is going to win the cup. They are already on uh, fourteen points. Leonard was down 4-7 to play, and Shipnuck said that DL3 was consoling him in the fairway because he was in tears. He was playing so bad. Olafable starts hitting some quick hooks, and that's what that's what brought Leonard back into play. And Porath just tweeted a video, actually, of Olafable yelling back at a fan in the crowd, his caddy doing the jerk-off motion at the fan, <laughs> and Johnny saying, nice gag. So... Uh, Justin Leonard makes the 40-foot putt on the... So ju- the match is all square. Leonard has a 40-footer on 17. Olafable has a 25-footer. If Leonard makes and Olafable misses, the U.S. clinches the cup because they're assured at least a half on, uh, if they play the 18th. Leonard hold the unlikely birdie, sending the American team into a frenzy. Did he do the jerk-off motion after <laughs> he made it? <laughs> the team, their wives, and NBC cameramen all ran onto the green to hug Leonard with the cameraman allegedly stepping in Olafable's line. Eventually, order was restored, and Olafable had a 25-foot putt to keep Europe's hope alive. He missed. The American comeback was complete, with Leonard Dormy guaranteeing a half point needed by the U.S. Tiger Woods jumped five feet in the air as he sprinted to the green. His feet are... It's like one of my favorite photos ever. His feet are above Tom Lehman's waist in this photo. This is right after everyone's accusing him of not caring about the Ryder Cup, which he kind of later confirms in a quote, but... Uh, uh, Justin Leonard and Olafable actually played the 18th hole and Jose Maria was just absolutely pissed I forget what the result of that 18th hole was it would appear that uh, um, Olafable won the hole actually to to have the match Um, here this is when it gets really good European vice captain Sam Torrance standing beside the green fumed it's about the most disgusting thing I've seen in my life those were the most disgusting scenes I've ever seen on a golf course. This is not sour grapes. The whole American team and spectators ran right o- 
right across the green over Ollie's line. He still has a putt to tie the hole and could still take the, the Ryder Cup. It was disgusting, and Tom Lehman calls himself a man of God. Jesus. His behavior today was disgusting. <laughs> There's no evidence that anyone ever stopped, stepped in Olaf Abel's line. There's no video evidence, I should say. Well, that's because the video cameras were, <laughs> were running yeah. across his line. They were probably American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I actually don't think there's anyone. I don't think anyone ever ran across his line. They definitely ran onto the green. It was definitely premature. Uh, analysis of the event and its aftermath concluded the U.S. team and their fans' behavior throughout the matches had been unacceptable, which led to apologies from many of the American players. Many American journalists can see. By the way, I, just, I went only to British news sources for any of this because it's the absolute <laughs> best. Many American journalists conceded that the matches had become so intense to the point where they were no longer being played in the spirit that Samuel Ryder had intended. The American press were unusually critical of their side. The Washington Post stated that it seems an American team can't get through an international competition without acting like jackasses at some point. And the LA Times described the American team as having violated every principle of proper golf decorum and decent manners. And we haven't even talked about the fact that they were wearing the ugliest Correct. shirts. And that Justin Leonard made the ugliest face time. after he made it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and basically, Lehman got called out as the single worst offender. In comes Davis Love. Davis Love claimed the Europeans were sore losers. We didn't cry when we lost two in a row. He insists that the partisanship was no worse than at Valderrama or at the Belfry in 93. They were poking umbrellas through the ropes trying to trip people going from tea to green. <laughs> How long have they been calling our wives flight attendants and bimbos? They act like we're the only ones to do it. Sick. And he calls himself a man of God. <laughs> J.A. Adande is there for some reason and claims that, <laughs> that Monty told him Saturday night, you know we've won, don't you? Question mark. I'd never heard that. Wow. Sergio Parnovic and Paul Laurie and Monty all won three and a half points for Europe. Hal Sutton won three and a half for the U.S., but no one else won more than two and a half. Wrapping up here for 99. <laughs> Monty. This is a full Monty quote that he's given in an interview. To give just one instance, a local radio station man called Jim Rome had encouraged his <laughs> listeners to come to the course to bait me. <laughs> to the irritation of the mob, I was three up after six holes, though back to two by the time we arrived at the ninth tee. After pain had hit, I teed up my ball, and for once... Though it was never going to last, there was complete silence as I shaped to the ball. I managed to get as far to the top of my backswing when a man standing a couple rows behind me on the tee could no longer contain himself. You bleep. I don't know what the word is. It's a four-letter word. You bleep, he cried. With the key words so coarse and so alien to anything I'd ever heard before on a golf course <laughs> as to be unrepeatable. I stopped and had to readdress the shot. Prince Andrew, a keen golfer with whom I've become friendly over the years... My brother Douglas and Amar all swooped on the culprit, an overweight fellow in shorts who had been apparently reeking of beer. As the marshals helped to subdue him and led him away, I turned to the crowd and said, first to go. If anyone else says that, they'll go as well. <laughs> My legs were now shaking. Payne, who had just won the U.S. Open at Pinehurst, was brilliant. He knew that there was more than one troublemaker out there. From that moment on, he kept going to the crowd himself and saying to the security man, get rid of him, him and him. It sickened pain only slightly less than it sickened my father. In dad's eyes, it was as if the very game had been defiled. I looked for him after the incident, but he had walked back to the clubhouse, his lifelong love of golf having taken an irreparable blow. Jesus. Well, let's go to the resident, uh, the resident clones here. You guys got to fill us in on the timeline. Is this, is this all pre-Elkington Rome stuff? All this, the Monty stories? The or? custard? Yeah. Um. Yeah, probably, but first of all, Rome's not local. He would have been out in like San Diego at that point. So Elk had his facts wrong there. No, Monty, Monty, Monty. Had his facts or wrong. Monty. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, definitely sounds like some Rome in his <laughs> in his early years would uh, jungle would be up to. Yeah. Um, in the celebration, the Guardian reports a lot of this comes from the Guardian. When his team won at Brookline in Boston, Tiger. Uh, so. This is about Tiger. When his team had won at Brooklyn and Boston in 99 and celebrated long into the night, Woods had to be dragged from his bed to join it. He had retired early, the only team member to do so, and things had reached the stage where the late Payne Stewart was dancing on top of a piano when Woods' absence was remarked upon. He was bundled out of bed and made to join an unwilling participant. There you go. Well, there you have surprising. it. 
Uh, so that's what I've got for 1999. Anything in your guys' minds that I'm missing sticks Gosh, out? Gosh, no, I couldn't possibly. No, I have no idea what what else you could even add. I'm I'm psyched to watch uh, the singles match tonight to the rebroadcast. God, like there's just this this whole. Obviously, we were not covering golf anywhere near this time period, but this this ping we pong were, back we and were, forth. I was 13. Correct. <laughs> this ping ponging back and forth in the media is like one of my favorite things to read about ever. Well, so let me ask you this: Do you think the crowds being boisterous and rowdy, and like, do you think the environment is bad? for the Ryder Cup, and is it bad for the game of golf? Well, that's what I was going to say, too, is if you look at, like, the moments that, as I understand them anyways, at, that have kind of escalated the Ryder Cup to what it is now, it's it's what? It's this, it's Kiowa. Yeah. You know, it's all these, like, controversy points that basically you have Monty saying that, you know, the spirit of the game is just being shit on here, which is probably true. Uh, but I don't think you can probably ignore that it's also led to it becoming, you know, this big spectacle of what it is now. And I'm sure everybody's kind of richer, both right. uh, literally and figuratively, for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. I mean, it's <laughs> like these if these things happen, which it most definitely appears so. It's it's. I think at the Ryder Cup, fans think that they have the right to act like football fans, yeah. like they're that they're at a football game. It's the one team event, and it's just that they all decorum goes out the window. Some stuff happens in Europe. I mean, like fans still cheer for bad U.S. shots, which I don't have a problem with. And but it definitely. I mean, I, what I heard at 2016 at Hazeltine was like a lot of it was too much. It was too far. Just, all right, well, we'll get there. Yeah, we will. All right, we had our fun with the uh, triumphant victory 1999 for the U.S. Ryder Cup team. It's about to get a lot darker on this podcast, so. Uh, in line with what were the subject of today's discussion, I know you guys remember the Callaway Stars and Stripes Chrome Soft Truvis golf balls they featured. The popular Truvis pattern, patriotic red, white, and blue design, which is fitting since all of Callaway's Chrome Soft balls are made here in the United States. Well, to gear up for the Ryder Cup, they announced the addition of the Team Europe version with the gross yellow and blue European flag design. Both these golf balls have everything you love about the performance of the Chrome Soft, including the graphene-infused outer core, allowing Callaway to engineer an incredible-feeling golf ball that's low spin off the tee with increased shot-stopping spin around the green. So the Stars and Stripes and European Chrome Soft Truvis golf balls are available and in stores now. Visit CallawayGolf.com for more info. Be sure to pick up yours before they're gone. Now let's get into the dark era from the U.S. perspective on the Ryder Cup. The next three are not nearly as entertaining as that. Um, 2002 Ryder Cup uh, is actually was called the 2001 Ryder Cup. This happened this, this September 11, 2001. Uh, obviously, the tragedy in the U.S. happened about three weeks before the Ryder Cup. Uh, the PGA of America it informed the European Ryder Cup board that the scope of the last of last Tuesday's tragedy is so overwhelming that it would not be possible for the United States Ryder Cup team and officials to attend the match. Um, the manager of Phil Mickelson and Mark Kalkovecchia had earlier announced that the, that the two players would not travel to Europe. Other American players were said to be concerned about attending the event. It was agreed that the same captains and players would participate in the 2002 event. So teams are locked in in September 2001. They delay the the event for a year, and they just take the same teams in 2002. That was at the Belfry? That was at the Belfry. And then, Curtis right. Strange for Sam Torrance. Side note, what happened Like the next year? Was there a President's Cup scheduled? President's Cup was scheduled in 2002, but it got bumped back into odd years now. Okay. So that 03, that was, uh, that, was, that was South Africa. Yeah. That was Ernie L's title right. ended up being here. Um, so... September 19th, 2002. Well, so which players kind of got the shaft on not making this team then with, with uh, you know, teams kind of being locked in a year ahead of time? Who had the best 2002, I guess? Well, Tiger won. Tiger. <laughs> yeah. Tiger won the U.S. Open and... PGA. Uh, what was the PGA that year? Wasn't that Medina? No, that was 99. I'm not sure who had the best 2002 that ended up getting screwed, but I do have a couple notes in that... Lee Westwood was 20th in the world when the team was formed. He was 148th when the event began. Hal Sutton was 27th in the world and then 125th when the event began. So give a bit, a bit of a timestamp here. 
The day the event goes off, the Bush administration pressures U.S. Congress to pass a resolution giving Bush authority to use all means he determines to be appropriate, including force to oust Saddam Hussein and disarm Iraq. Big day. That's big day. Which, amazingly, in the Wikipedia for key events of September 2002, the Ryder Cup made it in there. <laughs> I have no idea how. There's only like 15 events in there. So earlier uh, in September at the American Express event that was in Ireland, Woods was asked directly. That event needs to come back, by yes. the way. Yes, yeah. That's the Mexico championship. <clears throat> I know. Well, I don't know. Woods was asked. <laughs> I, look, I don't have a solution. I'm just <laughs> saying it needs to come back. What would be more important for you, to win this week or the Ryder Cup next week? And Wood said, here this week, I can think of a million reasons why. Sick. Yeah. <coughs> so 2002 PGA, by the way, was Rich Beam. Hazel correct. Team. Yep. Yeah. So he probably missed out. So most. he probably missed out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it made, so uh, talking with Shibnuck some, he said it just made the event stale. The three years between cups, and Shibnuck argued they should have played after 9-11. The extra year didn't <laughs> help. I know. <laughs> wasn't the same fever pitch, and it was t- just a totally different feeling. Um, I'm sure it wouldn't have been the same fever pitch. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's. I, I think they should have delayed it. I, mean, I think they, they made the right decision. But, uh, but just imagine the same team staying together for a year. Like Ryan Moore found out the Sunday before the event that he was on the last Ryder Cup team. And this is like you're on the same team for an entire year. It's just such a, such a weird arrangement. Philip Price and Pierre Falk were on the European European team. Pierre Falk, Swede, right? I I have zero memories outside of this this Ryder Cup for either of those two players. Uh, Scott Verplank was a 38 year old rookie captain's pick. Uh, Tiger is the youngest player on the team at 26 years old, and Stuart Sink is the only player under other player under 30 at 29. Do you guys want me to go through rosters? Sure. That's the fun part. Sam yeah. Torrance is the captain. Darren Clark. Uh, Padre Harrington, Thomas Bjorn, Colin Montgomery, Pierre Falk, Lee Westwood, Paul McGinley, Nicholas Fast, Bernard Longer, Philip Price, Sergio Garcia, and Jesper Parnovic. Nicholas Fast. <laughs> Sergio was a captain's pick, the fifth-ranked player in the world. I imagine that had something to do with the, the qualification criteria then. I don't. He must not have been playing the European Tour. Um, and the whole event just does not feel like a big deal. Like One of the main sources on the Wikipedia page is about it's a is about Middle East talks with Tony Blair and he's like we're about to go to war but he's like talking about the Ryder Cup and some discussion <laughs> about Middle East now watch this drive now watch this drive <clears throat> um, so Europe's up 4.5 to 3.5 after day one Tigers 0-2 on day one he plays with Paul, he doesn't care Paul Azinger <laughs> and Mark Kalkovecchia are his partners they battle back and it's 8-8 going into singles and Strange back loaded the lineup and was shredded for it um <laughs> And in his defense, he said, we got beat. The score on Sunday was 28 under for the Europeans to 8 under for us. The facts ruin the stories a lot of times, so the facts never get in there. Those who questioned my first three guys insulted those players. I will defend all 12 of my players till the day I leave this place. They insulted David Duvall, David Toms especially, and Scott Oak. Scott Hoke by saying I didn't have good players up front. Scott Hoke. <laughs> they were world-class players. Philip Price beat Mickelson on that day. There might be no better symbol for the U.S. struggles in the Ryder Cup than Philip Price beating Phil Mickelson. Big Randy, do you have anything to say about Phil Mickelson losing to Philip Price in 2002? I do. It's, you know, it's just Phil being Phil. <laughs> uh, this, is the, this is the year that Zinger hold a bunker shot on the 18th hole to have his match against Nicholas Faust and had the awkward high fives with his caddy and was screaming at him, he didn't deserve it, Patrick, he didn't deserve it. <laughs> Because he was trying, like in Europe, the Europeans make such a big deal out of who clinches the winning point. Like it means something to them. Shout out to Jamie Donaldson. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Zinger was like, didn't want Foss to get the winning point. Because uh, something happened to them earlier in that match. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, and then, uh, so he just like, the whole time he's telling his caddy walking from, this guy doesn't deserve it, man. He doesn't deserve the winning point. Doesn't deserve it. And so when he holds the bunker shot, that's what he's yelling at his caddy as they're doing the <laughs> awkward high fives. That's it for 2002. That's a short one. Um, unless there's, I guess we didn't go through the U.S. roster, which was the U.S. roster was Curtis Strange, Captain Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, David Duvall, Mark Kalkovecchia, David Toms, Davis Love the Third, Scott Hoke, Jim Furyk, Hal Sutton, Stuart Sink, Scott Verplank, and Paul Azinger. Okay, usual suspects. Pretty standard. Maybe yeah. maybe Hoke is kind of a. It's a bit of a wild card. Yeah. yeah. We're get, we're getting a we're who's going gonna, to gonna be the Scott Hoke of this year's team? Is there one? We're going to have a theme here between 2002 <coughs> and 2006, Future. all building Future. towards one amazing fact in 06. 
But uh, 2004 is Oakland Hills in Michigan. Hal Sutton versus Bernard Longer as the captains. Shockingly, the British press is, press is not over the 99 Cup at Brookline. So we're back on Europe on U.S. soil. Uh, and so from this is from David Davies at, at a U.S. press conference regarding the 99 antics. Sutton opens it by, by telling the European contingent in Detroit this week, you need to forget it. Asked if there was concern there might be a repeat of Brookline, where boorish, beard-up crowds abused the visiting team, spat on a European wife, and responded disgracefully to some equally disgraceful behavior by the American team. Sutton said, look, y'all have been kind of like a bad marriage partner. We've apologized for five years for what happened in 99, so y'all need to forget about it. No more apologies or anything else. If that might be regarded as a cheap shot... It was easy to find one in return. Sutton, for years, an oil-rich, spoiled Texan playboy, is currently on his fourth <laughs> wife and still known, though not to his face, as Halimony. <laughs> That's a sick nickname. <laughs> Tiger is the only player on the U.S. team in his 20s. He's 28 years old. That's for- crazy. Oh, just, That's like yeah. bananas. Just wait. Fred Funk and Chris Riley are on the team. Jay Haas is a 50-year-old captain's pick. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Perry was 44 and on the team. Yeah, Kenny well, Perry was a, he was a world Perry player, player though. dog, yeah. though. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Fred Funk was 48 and on the team. They had and a, Fred Funk had, like, I don't think he'd missed a fairway in, like, three years at that point. This is, this is people were wondering. This was after he won the players? Or before, this might have been before he won the players. He went uh, in like 05, sure. I think. I'm not sure. They had a 44, a 48, and a 50-year-old on the team. There were two players on the team older than the captain. Hal Sutton was 47. Europe has five guys in their 20s. Paul Casey, Sergio, David Howell, Ian Poulter, and Luke Donald. David Howell was really good for a he long played on time. A lot of these teams. Yeah. Monty is a 41-year-old captain's pick. He goes 3-1. and one. So Friday. Hal Sutton shows up on the first tee wearing a cowboy hat. (laughs) U.S. Captain Hal Sutton put his top pairing of Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in the first match of the Ryder Cup, hoping to come out to a quick lead. Yeah, why didn't anybody think of this before? He announces the two best guys together. Oh, and and this was when Phil... Was this the equipment change? Yes, yes. Uh, He announces this on Thursday. When I say that he announces this on Thursday, he had just announced it to Tiger and Phil on Wednesday. So, on top of all this, Phil was playing Callaway equipment for the first time, and this is the year that he won the Masters and finished second at the U.S. Open with Titleist Driver, Titleist Ball. Uh, he's still playing Titleist Irons at this time, but now Callaway Woods and a Callaway Ball. According to Golf, Week, Golf World Magazine, Mickelson's long-term contract with Callaway is worth 7 to $10 million a year and bonuses and stock. So, there's no time for the duo to prepare. Tiger makes it clear that, he is, that they're going to play his ball. Uh, Phil has his new Callaway equipment is seen in far-reaching parts of the north course at Oakland Hills, frantically practicing with Tiger's golf ball. <laughs> Phil says Tiger... Did he th- have to play... I wonder if he had to play like with like stamped Tiger on the side. Probably. Well, that was ba- so, and, right? and, and that was back when Precept was making the, the Nike, the Nike balls. balls. So t- uh, Phil says... Was Tiger- it a Precept laddie? No. <laughs> I wish it was. That'd be, that'd be sick. Tiger found out, Phil says, Tiger found out the year before when we played at the President's Cup in 03 that the golf ball I was playing was not going to work for him. He plays a high spin ball, I play a low spin ball, and we had to come up in two days with a solution. So Phil claimed, yeah, grabbed a couple dozen of his balls, went off to the side and tried to learn his golf ball in four to five hour sessions on one of the other holes. Trying to find out how far it goes, it forced me to stop my preparation for the tournament, to stop chipping and putting and sharpening my game in an event to crash course learn a whole different <laughs> golf ball that we were going to be playing. The decision backfired on Sutton as the Woods-Mickelson pairing fell apart almost from the start, eventually losing. Only a seven-foot par putt on Chris Riley on the 18th hole of his match kept Team USA from being shut out by Europe in the first session. Team USA never had the lead during any of the first day day one four-ball matches. They're down three and a half to a half already. See, everyone shits on Chris Riley, but (laughs) good thing he was there. Oh, we're going to shit on Chris (laughs) Riley here very shortly. The great, after, great putter. So this yeah. is so that 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 was the four ball. So Phil's playing his own ball in that in that match. The alternate the afternoon alternate shot session was almost as good for Team Europe as the morning session. Nicholson and Woods lost an early lead in their match, leaving Woods winless in the first day of his last three Ryder Cups. Team USA picked up its first full point, but Europe ended the day with a six and a half, one and a half lead. 
the largest lead after the first day in Ryder Cup history, and this is on U.S. soil. So Phil drums all this back up in 2016 at Hazeltine when he's talking about team preparation, and he just pulls an example out and uh, just rips House Sutton for not giving them time to prepare 12 years later. Uh, so Sutton got contacted in 2016, and he still has some more things to say about it. Yeah, and then he didn't even call me and tell me he was changing equipment. He had his agent, Steve Loy, call me and tell me. And he, he changed not only the equipment, he changed the ball. So print that, print that, print that. He let his whole team down. So he's talking about how Sutton, he let his whole team down. <laughs> With the passing of Arnold, you know, on Sunday, Arnold and Jack didn't start out to be the best of friends because it was kind of a dethroning going on there, Sutton said. And they ended up just being great friends. And I felt like the golf, the world of golf would be better if Tiger and Phil became friends. And I felt like if they played together and had fun and beat somebody, they would end up being friends. So he was doing it for all mankind. They didn't beat anybody. He so, was, you know, it couldn't be their fault. It had to be someone else's fault. It had to be Hal Sutton's fault. It had to be. <laughs> do you think I had anything to do with how poorly he played that, that day? Sutton asked. Y'all remember how bad it was? He hit a three-wood against the fence on the last hole. A three-wood. A three-wood. That's the story y'all need to be writing. <laughs> Good yeah, lord. He, I mean, he's not wrong about a lot of that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I, yes, exactly. And he was way ahead of the Phil Tiger becoming friends. It's true. I'm still kind of aghast at the halimony <laughs> you've never heard that before no that's oh, such yeah. a good nickname <laughs> it might be the best nickname in golf should i kind of think that we're circling back around and maybe just to ease out you know the the karmic realities here they should pair tiger and phil again together no that's just at what uh, point do we want to have there? the uh <laughs> i mean oh hey, yeah maybe yeah dj that's cool um, <laughs> i was just like when when are we going to have the discussion if captains matter or not our playing partners matter. We we can save it. I just want to make sure we're. And I don't think anything matters. <laughs> well, that's yeah. Well, obviously, that's where that's where the discussion started because Phil is kind of talking about what makes it important. Basically, he's like, yeah, if Tiger and I had like weeks and and knew that we were going to be paired together or had the chance to say to him like, no, we don't want to be paired together, then we would have been set up for success better. Which again. 18 and a half, nine and a half was the final score of this Ryder Cup. This did not decide the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know who the blame. I mean, I, I think Hal's maybe making some good points here. Oh, yeah. Although, I guess, I don't know. It's good it's, points on all sides. If Phil wasn't worried about having to play that ball or learn that ball, I mean, he would have felt differently if he knew who he was being paired with, and he probably I mean, would have told him. It sounds like the there wasn't a whole lot of forward thinking or building towards the future with, not a lot with of the captain's picks. Yeah. No. Well, and this is like, the, at this time, Tiger and Phil are like, Tiger basically just didn't respect Phil. He thought he's soft-bodied and didn't, like, this was shortly <laughs> after the equipment, like, the it was, Sega. It was what, su subcutaneous fat? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> uh, and so it just, it just, was, it just wasn't going to work. But so after that doesn't work, Tiger gets paired with childhood friend Chris Riley, and they win their match on Saturday morning. Oh, how, how cool about was that? that? But when Captain Hal Sutton asked Riley to play an alternate shot match with Woods in the afternoon, Riley said he was too tired. Sutton publicly criticized Riley, and he hasn't seen the same since. And Chris Riley just had a baby like three weeks earlier. And Riley said, all I know is that at the 13th, Hal asked how I was doing. I told him I was having a blast, but that I was a little drained. That's when he told me about how he was a fat man who went five matches in 99, and I was a flat belly and so on. That was pretty much it. The conversation went fast, maybe 30 seconds. I didn't mean I didn't want to play this afternoon with Tiger or or whoever. So and then Hal went to the press and just ripped Chris Riley for like being tired and like not wanting to go out for the next match. I'm surprised Hal didn't make him replace Strata. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. And, or uh, playing cowboy hats. Yeah. Also, uh, he was so irritated with Mickelson after Friday that he benched him all day Saturday and told the <laughs> Masters champion that he would be a cheerleader. He used the word cheerleader. Hal sounds like a bad ombre. Oh, Hal's like Hal's the only interesting thing between O two and O six, which we'll get there. Sunday, so the U.S. is down eleven to five going into singles. Did we do rosters for this one? No, I don't think we did. Hal Sutton's team is Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Davis Love, Jim Furyk, Kenny Perry, David Toms, Chad Campbell, Chris DeMarco, Fred Funk, Chris Riley, Jay Haas, and Stuart Sink. Bernard Longer's team is Padraig Harrington, Sergio, Darren Clark, Miguel, Lee Westwood, Thomas LeVay, Paul Casey, David Howell, Paul McGinley, Ian Poulter, 
Luke Donald and Colin Montgomery. It's a pretty gritty U.S. team, though. Yeah, yeah. But it's a pretty talented European team, also. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so this is this this must have been the one that the U.S. was somehow favored in. I don't see. Everyone claims that there's like a this all the U.S. has always been favored and they always lose. This must have been one. They couldn't have been favored in '06. And we'll get to that team here in a second. I'm I'm really excited if you can't tell. Phil goes one and three with this new equipment. Uh, the U.S. loses seven and a half, four and a half in singles. Uh, Furyk goes one and three. Kristen Marker is the only U.S. player who had a winning record. He went two and one. Just the shame of Oakland Hills. <sighs> On to 2006. Let's go. My favorite Ryder Cup team of all, all time. All right, so who's the captains? Captains are Tom Lehman and Ian Woosnam. Woosnam's team is, and this is played at the K Club in Ireland. This is the first time the Ryder Cup has ever been held in Ireland. His team is Henrik Stenson, Luke Donald, Sergio, David Howell, Colin Montgomery, Paul Casey, Robert Carlson, Patrick Harrington, Paul McGinley, Jose Maria Othabel, Darren Clark, and Lee Westwood. Stout. So, uh, Darren Clark had lost his wife just a few months months earlier to this to this Ryder Cup, uh, and he was a captain's pick. I don't remember this, but Tom Lehman brought the team to Ireland at the end of August for two days of practice, determined to end the two decades of frustration in the Ryder Cup. How did that go? Not great. Um, Tiger and Furyk arrived separately from the team after losing in the first round of the HSBC World Match Play Championship the week before at Wentworth. Woods stayed in England attending a Chelsea-Liverpool soccer game on Sunday while Furyk came over to the K-Club to practice. The team gets off the plane. So getting on the plane... They were delayed three hours because they couldn't figure out how to fit all the luggage on the charter. <laughs> they had brought too much luggage. Like the team themselves is out there like trying to like taking the bags off, rearranging everything, and they show up three hours late to the event. And they're like, I don't know if there was a ceremony planned or whatnot. They right, get so who's on the U.S. team? Layman's the captain. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and Jim Furyk are one, two, and three in the world. Their teammates are Chad Campbell, David Toms, Chris DeMarco, Vaughn Taylor, J.J. Henry, Zach Johnson, Brett Wetterick, Stuart Sink, and Scott Verplank. And who were the captain's picks? Stuart Sink and Scott Verplank. So the Purple Mamba made it on his own accord, J.J. Henry. As did Brett, Brett Wetterick. <laughs> Brett, yeah. Vaughn Taylor, J.J. Henry, Z.J., and Brett Wetterick all made it on their own accord. Uh, and we will get to how that happened here. So, yeah, they got off the plane in their all-brown uniforms. And then they play the practice round later that day in the all-brown, like the ugliest uniform. And there's been a lot of bad ones. Uh, these, these might have been the ugliest of all. So getting into the press conferences, the Europeans are still not ready to let 99 go. Paul Casey says, I stand by my words, speaking of Tom Lehman, the captain. His appointment could affect the atmosphere of the match. I don't think many think people on this side of the Atlantic want to see him as captain. We've had a very, very good rivalry since 99. I think people are afraid that it might bring up a Brookline-type situation at the K-Club. Tom's name will always be mentioned when you talk to players who have Brookline that thought the spirit there wasn't right. I never knew Tom Lehman was such I know. A I, I, I forgot he had, Yeah, exactly. I didn't either. Luke Donald, who's Casey's playing partner, supported his stance. Donald, who has a home in Chicago after spending four years at university there, said, I think people who are not Americans can get upset with Americans quite easily. They do seem to be very insular. They make rash comments that can be quite upsetting at times. I heard Ryan Palmer, a U.S. amateur champion, say that the nationwide tour, the second tour in the U.S., is the second strongest in the world. And that was days after Europe had thrashed the U.S. 18.5, 9.5 in the Ryder Cup. Those kind of comments force people like Paul to say what he says. Predictably, the American World Cup team of Scott Verplank and Bob Tway were less than impressed. This was at the World Cup. Verplank said of... Randy's uh, a huge World Cup guy. Is that right? God, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> Circled on my calendar every year. <laughs> Verplank yeah, this is what it was the other day. <laughs> Verplank said, I didn't know he was a member of our tour, but if he's really that uncomfortable, annoyed, or anything, I don't think anyone would miss him if he went back to England. Really weird trash talk. Tom Lehman <laughs> said, without question, we will go to Ireland as the underdogs. Uh, you think? <laughs> The American team arrives with zero players in their 20s. No one's in their 20s. The U.S. had five players in their 20s make the 2018 team on points alone. And we don't know who the captains, but they may select another one in their 20s. So, and we'll get to Tiger's quote about that after the match. So, Von Henry, Von Taylor, J.J. Henry, and Brett Wetterick made the team on points. They go. Von Henry. (laughs) (laughs) 
They go 0-3 and 4. <laughs> J.J. Henry made the team by winning the Buick Championship and had five top tens, which is Disgusting. not that many. Vaughn Taylor's... R- Reno, uh, <laughs> Alabama, Reno the Booz Allen Classic. Dude, Vaughn Taylor <laughs> wears out Reno. No doubt. Vaughn Taylor's best finish was a T3 at the Heritage. He had six top tens. For the record, Brian Gay has six top tens this year on the PGA Tour for perspective on how many top tens so that wait, is. How did he... Sorry, he was a captain's pick or he made the team? He made the team on points. How? We're going to get into how bad American golf was at this point. Holy smokes. Uh, well, part of that was just because Tiger was winning everything. everything but too. All right, well, I'll just get to the stat now. My favorite stat that I uncovered in this entire process. At this time, at this, uh, so Woods, after the, after the Ryder Cup, says, like, we need more younger players. They have all these guys in their 20s. We need young players to come up. And at the time that he said that, there was one American player in their 20s who had won a PGA Tour event. It was Ben Curtis who had won the Open Championship. Jesus. There was not one single player, not one single American other than Ben Curtis that had won a PGA Tour event in their 20s. Whoa. So this is that awkward time frame between when people started, like kids started playing golf because of Tiger, yeah. but they hadn't hit. Yeah, but they were just, they hadn't, they were they were just getting to college, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Brett Wetterick won the Byron Nelson and finished T2 at the Memorial. Uh, he had four total yeah, top 10s. Pick, pick him up. Cup. Yeah, come on board. <laughs> Pride of Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Um, That's cool, man. So on Friday, seven of the eight matches on day one go down to the last hole, and the U.S. fucked up almost all of them. They won <laughs> one match, and they ended the day down 5-3. to three. One of my favorite things ever is J.J. Henry played three team matches and halved each one. <laughs> or he played three matches total and halved each one. <laughs> He's like a completely neutral <laughs> participant in the event. Tiger and Furyk play all four team sessions together. They go two and two. They were the number one and number three players in the world. So they won two matches. The only other team match the U.S. won was Verplank and Z.J. against Stenson and Harrington, two and one in four ball. That's the only other team match the U.S. won. All right, so we need a big comeback. We do. <laughs> Team is down 10 to 6 going into Sunday. Same margin as 99. They lost 8.5 to 3.5 on Sunday. <laughs> Tiger, Verplank, and Sink won their matches. J.J. Henry halved his. Brett Wetterick lost 5 and 4 to David Howell. There were 28 total matches that week. The U.S. won 6 of them. 7 were halved, and Europe won 15. Before, between the 2004 and 2006 Ryder Cups, like individually, three U.S. players had winning records. DeMarco in 04, and then Tiger and Verplank in 06. Everybody Jesus. else had a losing record. So that's 21 other participants. <laughs> Phil went 04 and 1. Randy. Listen, it'll happen. <laughs> Only five players on the U.S. team actually won matches, so seven of them just didn't win a match. Uh, and five players earned a half point or less. Padraig Harrington went all five matches and went 0-4-1 on a team that won 18.5 to 9.5. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's enormous <laughs> celebration on the 16th green for Darren Clark. Tom Lehman hugged him, as did Big Cat. And this is 2006. So this is the same year that Tiger had lost his dad. Uh, there was a just a huge emotional outpour for Darren Clark. He's from Northern Ireland, but the event played in Ireland. It was just a, it was an enormous emotional uh, kind of deal, and the the outcome was decided, but it was uh kind of that's all the kind of lasting memory I have is Darren Clark te- with tears in his eyes after they'd won. The this cup, was so. uh this was the year that Tiger and Phil skipped uh, the Tour Championship Correct. as well, right? Correct. In uh, so Tiger going into the the '06 Ryder Cup. This is this was it's, so his dad died after the Masters. He took everything off until the U.S. Open. Missed the cut at the U.S. Open that summer. He tied for second at the Western Open, and these are the consecutive events leading up to it. He won the Open Championship, the Buick Open, the PGA Championship, Bridgestone, and the Deutsche Bank. And the Tour Championship was after the Ryder Cup, and he skipped it. So he, <laughs> that was what his record was going into the Ryder Cup. Jesus. Um, and, yeah, he and Phil both skipped the Ryder Cup, and then the FedEx S- Cup. Actually, skipped the Tour Championship. Sorry, skipped the Tour Championship, and then that's when the uh, FedEx Cup came into that. What I didn't remember, Tiger and Elon won damages against an Irish newspaper that published fake nude photos of Elon during the Ryder Cup. Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand euros, which and was the Dubliner. Put, and then they had to print a retraction and like an apology to yeah, the, in a it, bunch of different locations. Not other good. Gee, I don't remember this at all. The explicit photographs and article, which was titled "Writer Filth for Dublin," 
featured in an edition of the Dubliner magazine published just days before the opening of the U.S. Ryder Cup match against Europe. Um, there was some conjecture as to whether it was even Elon. It's like they purported him to be Elon, but they... Oh, that's what it's like. It's like they were fake photos yeah. is what they were yeah, uh, eventually determined to be. Um, and then, yeah, Wood said they have a younger crop of players that are playing well. When our youngest player is 30 years old, that's not a positive thing. They have Luke Donald, Sergio, Paul Casey in their 20s. We don't have anybody in their 20s. And, uh, yeah, that's where the stat is that only player under 30 to have won an event on the PGA Tour was was Ben Curtis. God, when was Luke Donald number one in the world? That was like, that was like 2011, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. That was when like he and Westwood was, and Keimer all threw it around. That was the dark, dark times. <laughs> yeah. Him and Webb were playing off for the money title at <sighs> Disney that one year, and Ugh. Luke Donald won. <laughs> yeah. Um, 2008, Valhalla. Paul Azinger versus Nick Faldo. So this the Ryder Cup was still played before the Tour Championship. This was like the Tour Championship has now been moved up into September, but the Ryder Cup was the week before the Tour Championship. I remember going to the Tour Championship in mid October. Like it used to be even later. Yeah. Like, it was it was in late October. It was Halloween weekend a few times yeah, in Atlanta. There's some that were in November it was, too. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like chilly and kind of Yeah. Yeah. Just, all... So Paul Azinger is the captain, but Paul Azinger is also the lead analyst for ESPN. So Andy North moves into the booth to cover for Azinger, who's captaining the event. Zinger changes the whole system. He and that, so after the point system had already begun, so like the new earning period after the 06 Ryder Cup had already started, Zinger changes the system, and he had to go back and give a quarter of a point for every every thousand dollars earned to the people that had earned in that period that he like tried to wipe out. He had to like go back and give points to those huh. people, but. Um, the current system, it just means more money in majors and events in 2018. So it's, no, it's or I'm sorry, in, tw- in 2008. Uh, so kind of wiping out any regular tour events in 07. It's pretty similar to how the, how the system is today. And there's four captain's picks, and Faldo just wanted two captain's picks for, Europe's, for Europe. So the 08 Ryder Cup, this is like almost, this is the week that Lehman Brothers, like the week after the Lehman Brothers collapsed. So this is six, <laughs> six, six. Right before the big economic collapse was right at the end of September, so after the event. So people are still, st- the spirit of the country is still high, and people are, pr- are riled up for a Midwestern, Kentucky's Midwest, right? I think so. Louisville is. Louisville, yeah. okay. Yeah. A, uh, a Ryder Cup in the Midwest. Um, Anthony Kim is 23 years old, qualifies on points, and Zinger selects Steve Stricker, Hunter Mahan, J.B. Holmes, and Chad Campbell as his captain's picks. Let's just do the rest of the roster as well. So that's what I was going to ask. Is some of these, you know, you have all these American 20-somethings without a win. Like, who were those guys? I guess, like, Mahan is in that category. Kuchar's probably in that category. So on this team, yeah, Anthony Kim, Hunter Mahan, and J.B. Holmes are the guys in their 20s on this team. So uh, Tiger Woods is out with injury. Tiger stopped playing after the after the U.S. <laughs> right. Open yeah. and was still the number one points earner in the process. Because he had won everything yeah. leading into that. Mickelson, Stu Sink, uh, Kenny Perry, Jim Furyk, Anthony Kim, Justin Leonard, Ben Curtis, and Boo Weekly qualify on points. So, All right. How about Ben Curtis qualifying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Curtis like, won four times on yeah. tour, I'm pretty sure. That guy was a dog. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Stricker, Mahan, Holmes, and Campbell are, are picked. Faldo's team is Padraig Harrington, Sergio, Lee Westwood, Henrik Stenson, Carlson, Miguel, Graham McDowell is a rookie, Justin Rose is a rookie, Soren Hansen a rookie, and Oliver Wilson a rookie. And he picks Ian Poulter and Paul Casey with his captain's picks. So, leading up to the event in the summer, Poulter, Hunter, Poulter might lead uh, the captain's picks. Yes, he may have used all of his <laughs> exemptions. Uh, Hunter Mahan had some interesting things to say about the Ryder Cup, an event that he has never played in before. From what I've heard, the whole week is extremely long. You've got dinners every night, not little dinners, massive ones. As players, that's the last thing we want. We want to prepare ourselves. You're just a slave that week. (laughs) These comments did not (laughs) go over great. Mahan added, Phil Mickelson and Tiger, their time is worth money. And for the PGA of America, the Ryder Cup is a moneymaker like no other. Is it an honor to play? Yes, it is. But players value their time, and this is a business. Coming off three consecutive losses. Mahan, 12th on the U.S. Ryder Cup's points table for Valhalla, added, at some point the players might say, you know what, we're not doing this anymore. Don't be surprised if it happens. It's just (laughs) not a fun week like it should be. 
He hasn't played on a Ryder Cup team before. That might be uh, old takes exposed. <laughs> by the way, you want to know who uh, Hunter Mahan was sponsored by at this time? I do not know. Monster Energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hunter Mahan tees off in the in not far from Valhalla in Columbus, Ohio, in the Nationwide <laughs> Hospital uh, Charity Championship. Two years in a row. Second year in a row. Yeah. On the on the web dot com tour um, tomorrow. Anthony Kim arrives at the opening ceremony with gas station sunglasses that had pink like frames around the side. <laughs> and as the team stood there in their suits to like salute the crowd and everyone's clapping for him, he flexes both arms at them in this suit while all the other team just stands there stoically. Other rookies are Ben <laughs> Curtis and Boo Weekly. Uh, wait, US... wait, I thought we were saying Curtis played in 06, right? No, Curtis didn't play in 06. Oh. Um, the U.S. is teeing it up with four guys that have never won matches in the Ryder Cup. Four, only four guys in the, on their team had ever won matches in the Ryder Cup before, and all four of those guys had losing records. So Zinger takes the famous Navy SEALs concept, taking a large group and breaking them into four-man <laughs> pods. Real shame that Tiger had to miss out on this part. No doubt. Zinger also created the 13th man. There was a pep rally the night before the Cup. With American flags waving, Hunter Mayhem comes out in enormous shorts, way past his knees, is pumping up the crowd. Stu Sink is throwing out souvenirs. 15,000 people showed up. Amy Mickelson's on stage, like, throwing souvenirs out to the fans, and everybody's just going nuts. Zinger's leading a chant, 13th man, 13th man, and everyone's buying in. This is like a world that I don't want to live in. (laughs) Uh, U.S. gets off to a fast start, winning three points in morning foursomes, the first lead the U.S. has had since 1999. Jesus. So they kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, look, it hasn't gone well since uh, our fans were, like, way too turned up, so let's get them turned back up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, day one ends U.S. up 5.5 to 2.5. Europe gains a point back on Saturday, and it's 9-7 U.S. heading into singles. Boo Weekly tees off the first, and Happy Gilmore rides the bull down the <laughs> fairway on his driver's shaft. Uh, and what happens, Faldo, Faldo basically backloads his team similar to how Curtis Strange does and just gets taken to task by the British media. From the Daily Mail... <coughs> I bet Fowler had some good things to say about it. Oh, yes. (laughs) This was a Ryder Cup that will long be recalled for the blazing passion of a quartet of exciting American rookies and the desperate blundering of Europe's captain, Nick Faldo. After almost a decade of American apathy, they didn't just win the Ryder Cup, they saved it. They were helped, alas, by some of the most incomprehensible decisions ever made by a European captain. (laughs) Before the inquest begins, let's get the hanging out of the way. Faldo tried to reinvent the wheel and failed spectacularly. What tied the noose around Faldo's reputation as a captain was the high-risk strategy of loading the bottom end of his single orders on Sunday with many of his best players. It was folly bordering on the criminal. Faldo not learning from Curtis Strange, similar mistake at the Belfry in 02 when Tiger and Phil similarly, similarly were left high and dry. Who wrote this? Uh, it was from the Daily Mail. I don't remember. Uh, there Probably Hogan. There wasn't a name. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a name Donigan. on that one. Um, Anthony Kim is one of the stars of the show. Uh, Zinger said Anthony was our off-course team leader as a 23-year-old. Everybody laughed at AK because he was a street kid with a chip on his shoulder. He wanted Sergio all week. I don't think he realized that we couldn't just match him up when we got there. He kept saying, I want to play Sergio, Zing. I want to play Sergio. <laughs> See, that's one of my problems with the Ryder Cup. Yeah, yeah. That's what the President's Cup gets right. I totally think. agree. Yeah. Totally agree. It never worked out until Sunday, and we got lucky. Anthony ate it up and responded. He said on the first tee, I'm going to whoop his ass for you today, Captain. <laughs> Kim would go on to beat Sergio 5-4 and four with five birdies and an eagle in just 14 holes and actually walked to the, next, to the 15th hole thinking that the match was still going on. Uh, that was one of the classic moments in Ryder Cup history. Zinger said, after he won that match, I gave AK a big hug on the green, and then he kind of backed off. He was pointing at me, and you could read his lips. He was saying, I told you I was going to whoop his ass. It's sad his career ended so soon. I would have loved to have seen what he might have done those last eight years if he had been healthy. Anthony Kim's only 33. I know. That's just, ugh, we were robbed. Uh, are we in the nest? Yeah, I think so. I don't remember Anthony Kim. Like I, I don't remember him the way that I should. I, know. I, I mean, well, yeah, yes and no. I, I remember know. him like I remember Augusta, and I, I don't really remember this Ryder Cup all that much, to be honest. No. I think I was pretty deep in the follow the tiger 
game at this yeah. time and he wasn't playing. So I was pretty checked out. We had just September, gotten out of college. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I, I remember I had started my career like two no, weeks I was, earlier. I was back for a victory. Oh yeah. <laughs> you took a, you're still in college. Uh, I just started my career and I was not really following this that closely. I know they won. I was like, Oh, that's kind of surprising. They weren't supposed to be that good. They won. Um, so there's a rule situation during the Anthony Kim Sergio uh, where uh, match where Sergio's trying to take a drop. Anthony Kim's come comes over and says, "You call that a normal stance? You got to do what you got to do." And walked away. And then eventually Sergio did not get the drop. Um, and then yeah, in a theme that is consistent when the Americans win, Englishman Lee Westwood was not happy with some of the fans of Valhalla Golf Club. And particularly not pleased to get an anonymous telephone call in his hotel room at 12:30 a.m. Sunday morning. <laughs> all the ab- Lee says all the abuse I got on the course Sunday was fairly nasty, and that was pretty shameful. That was only a minority, and the crowds were great. I expected them to get behind the American team, which they did. But pe- some people don't know the difference between supporting their team <coughs> and abusing the opposition team, which is unfortunate. I what- just love how much the 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 Brits use shameful, yeah, disgrace. <laughs> Uh, what, when asked what the fans said, he said, Lee Westwood said, I'm not prepared to repeat it. One was a particularly nasty reference to my mother on the 12th tee. All right, guys, we are going to cut part one right there after 2008. Uh, we're going to get into 2010, 2012, 2014, and 2016 on part two of this podcast. Thank you for tuning in and make sure you check back for part two coming soon. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.